humans. I hate people. I hate people. This is why they're the worst. Are you ready for it? Hey there. Hey. So Reddit needs to lighten the fuck up. (laughs) Now, as I was afraid of that, I think I mentioned last week. Now, um, Rachel is banned from said forum subreddit. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. People, they're like so Nazi and. All, all I did was we made our own like subreddit community, which is people are the worst pod, just to like another true crime one. And when you do it, it's like cross post to other similar forums. And so mm-hmm. I did not promoting the podcast at all to actually ask the question, what case got you into true crime? And it got a ton of responses. Like people were like into the discussion. Right. And then all of a sudden I get a message banned. I was like, for what? She was like promoting your podcast. I was like, it was encouraging me to cross post. I don't know what else to do. They said cross posting is promoting. And they said, and go ahead and talk to your sibling about that. I was like, I knew if I were associated with you, I'd get screwed. Well, I got banned from another one, true crime discussion or something, because I'm guessing that I broke the bully rule, which was the same one I post on Instagram of John Wayne Gacy as a baby and he's fat so i called him a porker and then i put in a little disclaimer i'm allowed to say that because he grew up to be horrible and so i posted that on reddit just true crime discussion board and said what a hefty little psychopath boom it was bam. funny look if i can't <laughs> insult a child rapist and murderer then what are we doing here i mean and torturer yeah i mean they, these these moderators wouldn't last a day in any of the Bravo subreddits. Oh my, I'll tell you that. They are weak. I'm sorry. They're weak. And none of those people have tortured, raped, or murdered any kids. Yeah. And it's a hell of a lot meaner than that. There's also a subreddit called Am I Asshole? And I, a lot oh, I people, saw that. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you're an asshole. You're being selfish. Like, whatever. I don't know. They're weak, these moderators. So I'm like, you're a little too sensitive. So feel right. We're not going to have rules. You know what? You can bully the hell out of a serial killer. <laughs> We're not worried about it. Call him fat. The lower, the better. Lower and the insult, the better. Here's what really irks me about these stupid moderators. They're very mean about it. Yeah, they're not. not it's not like, oh, I know you can't do that. Because their rules are 200 pages long. And I'm like, oh, I do not have time to read that. So I'm like, I go, y'all run a real tight ship around here. And they're like, yes, we do. I mean, they're like intense. And then they, I don't know, shamed me for being related to you. And it was a whole thing. <laughs> I was like, y'all have got to calm down. Right. It's a true crime forum. God. Relax. They're taking away my first amendment. And so I'm pissed. They're so annoying. So Ugh. whatever, we'll give up. Or if you're on Reddit, join our, <laughs> our subreddit. God. Because... The rule is there are no rules. Talk shit. Give your opinion. Do whatever. My God. Do whatever you want. And it doesn't have to be on like, oh, it looks like you're looking for a case. We only post those on Wednesdays. Taken down. (laughs) I'm like, all right. Y'all are like so annoying. So strict. God. Anywho. 
We won't mention Reddit again. How's that? A- unless they piss me off again. How's that? Oh, uh, obviously. I think that really was the only order of business was storytelling me. Donna Winger. Oh, okay. Do you know it? Be honest. It's okay if you do. No, I have no idea. I was about to say, who that? Who that? Um, is that really all? I feel like I haven't talked to you. Oh, are we going to do season finales and all that? I mean, I think so. Is this the end of season one? So this is our 10th episode, everyone. And so we we can't, we can't decide if we should do seasons or just keep it going. Because seasons, it would give us time to kind of catch up, record more. Yeah. But how long would they be in between seasons? Some already started. Not long. Yeah. Like a month. <laughs> like six weeks, maybe. Not six weeks. No way. Oh. No. Okay. I'm going to even know a month. My next one, I've already started. It's going to be a dark one. We haven't done like a very dark one yet. But Well, actually, I'm stuck between two. And they're both very dark, one darker than the other. But I'll do do, do them both eventually. So now I'm like, okay, so if this is our season finale, then mine will be the season opener for season two. I don't know. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Oh, I feel like I know what you're going to do. Yeah, I already asked your opinion today. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Okay, well, so yeah, this may be end of season one. Okay, like couple weeks. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Because I do hate when like, yeah. It goes months. Right. Like I'm thinking radio one, rental. Oh my God. That's what I was, was going to say. I'm thinking of one in particular. No, radio rental. What was that about? They waited a year. I lost steam. I know. And I only say that because it's so good. It's so good. I can't go a year between seasons. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's good. I'm so glad you haven't heard it. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to tell you about Donna Winger. Okay. It's really sad, actually. Uh, so wipe that smile off your face, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? Okay, Dave's confused. But duh. What are you looking at? Wipe that smile off your head, bitch. Oh, yeah. It's off your head. Yeah. God, that's such a Parker Posey. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, All right. Uh, sources are ABC News, a website called Midwest Crime Files, CBS News, and there's a 2020 on it, but I'll tell you the name later. And I actually like wrote the name out at the end, so I didn't accidentally say it just then. Oh, but it's Nailed it. funny when you screw up. Okay. I know. Well, <laughs> I've only read through this once, so <sighs> there's plenty more ops. Don't you worry. Mm-hmm. All right. 32-year-old Donna Winger and her husband, Mark, live in Springfield, Illinois. Donna was an operating room technician, and Mark was a nuclear engineer. Donna was the oldest of three sisters, and they were all really close. And in the 2020, I watched it last night. One of her sisters joked that when you marry one of them, you marry all of them. We joke about that. (sighs) I was like, damn it if we didn't say that every fucking time. (laughs) Because it's true. It's totally true. Yeah. And if you don't like it. Don't let the door hit hit you on the way out. <laughs> Peace out. Yeah. Donna and Mark wanted a baby really badly, but they learned that Donna could not get pregnant. So one day while she was at work in the hospital, a doctor told her that there was a pregnant teenage girl looking for someone to adopt her unborn baby. 
Don Omar jumped at the opportunity. And on June 1st, 1995, they welcomed their daughter, Bailey. So that really worked out. Yeah. They, like had just found out she couldn't get pregnant. Sure. They get a baby. Um, so while they're at the hospital waiting on Bailey's arrival, Donna met Deanne Schultz, who also works there. And the two became BFF. One of Donna's sisters told 2020 that Deanne was like another sister of their family. There's a ton of home videos of them on that 2020. And they're, it's like Donna, Deanne, and Bailey. They're just all like uber close. Mm-hmm. So in August 1995, Donna and three-month-old Bailey went to visit her family in Hollywood, Florida. When the trip was over, Donna and Bailey flew into St. Louis, which is like two hours from Springfield. And since Bailey was so young, Donna hired a private driver to drive them back to Springfield. 28-year-old Roger Harrington was the driver, and given the two-hour car ride, the two got chatting, and things turned weird AF. Oh, okay. Roger told her that he had another personality named Dom. Oh, no. Dom had recently started telling him to do violent things. He mentioned mutilating people and setting car bombs. Holy shit. She took, she hired a private driver to be safe. Right. the irony in that. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he also flirted with her and even invited her to one of his sex parties. No, thank you, Dom. No, thanks. As the conversation got weirder and weirder and weirder, Roger started driving very fast and erratically, telling her sometimes when he drives, this godlike character would come to him and pull him out of his body and he would be flying above the trees. Shut up. And Where did like, she hire the, this company he's with? Yeah, it's their company. Oh, no. Well, they take care of And this. you can't Don't. tuck and roll. You have a baby. No, there's a three-month-old. Oh, fuck. Okay. So she's like, God, what? what is going on so get your shoe and you smack him in the head he's driving and but hauling ass by the way so ultimately she and bailey make it home safely but she was freaking out because he dropped them off at home so he now knows where they live oh shit yeah so she was freaking out um she told donna told mark about the drive and mark was pissed Mm -hmm. understandably pissed what year is this sorry 1995. Okay. He called the transportation company to complain, and Roger got suspended. Throughout the next week, what? Suspended? He had a three-month-old in the car and was talking about mutilating people and inviting customers to sex parties. What? They were like, take a paid week off. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) You know what? You're on sabbatical. Yeah. Um, So he got suspended. Throughout the next week, Donna and Mark started getting very weird phone calls from a man. Sure. Assuming it was Roger. Asking for Donna in a really weird voice. I could not find what kind of voice. I'm like picturing a baby voice. I don't know. (laughs) That is the creepiest (laughs) of them all. If he was actually talking to baby. He's. Oh God! I can't. Please don't do an impression. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, that would be creepier than like get Don on the phone. No, a grown ass man doing a baby Uh, voice. uh, Not pronouncing his R's correctly. (laughs) Ooh, yeah, that's my picture. But I I cannot confirm that. Why do you picture that? Because on the way home, no, it wasn't described anywhere. But on the way home from. 
uh, the beach on the plane the other day, I was listening to a Let's Not Meet where some guy, some girl's creepy ass coworkers started talking during a baby. Ew, voice. it really cringes. I get <laughs> douche bumps. I cannot. <laughs> Grown men turning was, their R's into W's and being all cutesy. He, she said he would go. No, 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 no. I really don't know if I want you to. <laughs> he he would give her random nicknames and she couldn't think of one, but she said he would be like, "Oh, his nickname." Angry wangly. Oh. <laughs> just so you know, I've turned my head. I can't look at Rachel right now. It is so embarrassing. It's so gross. Gross. Oh. Okay. So. So anyway, weird phone calls from Wajo boys. <laughs> from from Wajo. <laughs> It's really oh, was Wajo giving out of <laughs> <laughs> we, We're going to circle back to see if we should cut that. Okay. <laughs> so, Haley, stay tuned. We may cut that. We'll see the very end. <laughs> okay. Donna wrote down the entire experience so she would have something to reference if she needed to go to the police. Oof. Yeah. Um, so six days later, on August 29th, 1995, Mark was on his treadmill downstairs in the basement when he heard a big thud. He walked upstairs to their bedroom and saw Bailey on the bed by herself, which he was like, <gasps> uh-uh, big red flag. Donna would never leave her unattended on the bed. Oh, my God. So he grabbed his gun, walked down the hall where he saw, he said he saw Donna lying on the floor in the dining room with a man standing over her, bludgeoning her with a hammer. <gasps> oh, Mark. God. This I know. 2020 actually kind of sounds familiar now. Okay. Oh, my God. Ah. Yeah. Um, Mark shot the man and called 911. Mm-hmm. When police got there, both the man and Donna were in really bad shape, but both of them were alive. Donna had been hit no less than seven times, the detective said. Oh. And the man had been shot in the head. Uh, one detective had a Polaroid in his car, and he, so he took pictures of the crime scene and recovered the bloody hammer, which belonged to Donna. She left it out on the dining room table to, as a reminder to hang a hat rack. Oh, yeah. I know. Sad. Uh, which is like stuff I do. I'll leave me stuff too. out to like, remind me of me stuff. Too. There is no, sorry, there's no worse way to die, though. Like, that would be it. No, yeah. Ugh. Because your your skull is hard. That is, oof, it's not, not fast. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So they recovered the hammer. There was also a yellow coffee mug, a pack of cigs, Mark's, and Mark's. 45 caliber gun. Mm-hmm. They took the man and Donna to the hospital, but both were pronounced dead shortly after arriving. Oh, M- Meanwhile, Mark stayed back talking to Detective Charlie Cox, who was freaking out that he was going to go to jail for killing him. But Detective Cox was like, no, Not you're all good. Yeah. Self-defense. We cool. You cool. You all right? Yeah. Mark finally calmed down and he asked Detective Cox if the guy's name was Roger. And Cox said, yes, his name's Roger Harrington. Mark told Cox the entire story, showed him Donna's note about everything that had happened. Uh, And get this, Detective Cox knew Roger. 
Oh, no way. Springfield, small town, huh? I know, but he had driven them from St. Louis. So I was actually like, whoa. Wow. Okay. Um, And he said it was very possible Roger could snap. He told ABC News, quote, because there's some bad grammar in this. So I'm like, this is a direct quote. Mm -hmm. I knew him as a very volatile type subject. Him and his wife rented a trailer from me. Knowing what I knew about Mr. Harrington in the past, how quick he was to anger, I thought that he very well could have gone over there to get his job back. There's a hammer laying right there on the table. He picks it up and goes into a rage. He also noted a time that he had to break up a fight between Roger and his wife, saying that his wife was bent over the couch, and just as Roger was about to strike her again, Cox ran in and grabbed him. Mm -hmm. So, yikes. Yikes. Um, The case was pretty open and shut, uh, and over the next few months, Donna's mom and one of her sisters took turns flying to Illinois to help Mark with Bailey. When that became more and more difficult, they encouraged him to hire a nanny. And in January 1996, 23-year-old Rebecca Semek was hired to nanny for Bailey. Donna's family loved her. She was so good to Bailey. They just, they loved her. Mm -hmm. Um, Rebecca told 2020 that she was blown away by what the baby had been through in her short little life. Yeah. Saying she lost two mothers by the time she was three months old. And yet she was so smiley. She said, I wanted to get in there and say, I'm going to help. I'm going to make this little girl's life better. And again, this 2020, there's a lot of home home videos on this 2020. And she is like, so she's happy. Good. Well, and I'm saying Rebecca's good too. She's uh, so good with her. Oh, like, okay. That's so. true though. She lost two moms in less than a year, right? It's, at this point, she's three months, three months. I know, she but three months old. But uh, that was when Crazy Roger was driving erratically. I don't know when those calls, how long those calls lasted, how long. Oh, she was murdered one week after that drive. God, three months, a poor little baby. But she doesn't know, so, okay. I know. Well, she does know, but we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Sure. Um, While Rebecca started adjusting to her new role, Donna's friend Deanne, again, who she met at the hospital. Mm Mm-hmm began to make her feel uncomfortable and seemed to be pushing to stay involved in Bailey's life. Rebecca didn't like it. Oh. She mentioned it to Mark, and Mark told her that just she and Donna were uber close. Deanne was having a really hard time with Donna's death. She was like, fine. Uh, Rebecca and Mark's relationship, as I'm sure you could see, Uh, eventually turns romantic. I don't love that. She's 23. How old is he? 32, I think, at this point. Okay. Yeah. 31 or two. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I can see that inevitably happening. Yeah. Well, and she's, she was a live in nanny too. Mm. So she talks about in the 2020, like, she was like, we, we were like already in those roles. Yeah. Like I lived there. Oh, yeah. That we had a baby essentially. Like, it, yeah. I mean, so she was, she said it was very easy. But when Rebecca asked, so she was only hired like five months later after Donna died. Mm. So a few months after that is when it turned romantic and Rebecca asked how he could move on so quickly. And he told her, when you have such a good marriage, it's easy to want it again. Oh, within a year, Rebecca got pregnant and they eloped in Hawaii in October, 1996, 14 months after Donna's death. Oh, wow. Now at that point you stopped paying her for a nanny gig, right? 
yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, that'd be so awkward. Well, even before her pregnancy, like, are romantically involved help? No. Right. Sure. Okay. Um, right after the wedding, Rebecca officially adopted 18-month-old Bailey. Ah, cute. cute. In December 1996, Mark reached out to Donna's family to tell them that he was selling the house that he and Donna once shared together, the same one she was killed in, obviously. Yeah. He explained that he and Rebecca were starting their family and buying a house in the country outside of Springfield. That makes sense. I would have to get Ugh. get the hell out of that house, too. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I would have yeah. done it immediately. I wouldn't have gone back for... in. Once the cops left, I would leave, too. And be like, not good. We're back. done here. We're done. He also told them that he was going to cut ties with them and told Sarah Jane, Donna's mom, that Bailey would no longer call her grandma. Um, the fuck she won't would be my response. I know. And Sarah Jane's real cute. Sarah Jane wrote back, begging him oh. to let her call her grandma. And he said, sorry, no way that's happening. She <gasps> said she grandmother rights? They're grandparent rights, right? I don't know. Oh. She said she mourned that for a very long time. Baby, I'm sure she did. I know. Bailey, who was 25 at the time of the interview that I read, she just turned 27 on June 1st. Okay. Said that she got a birthday card every year from Donna's oh. parents. Eventually, she asked her mom who they were, and Rebecca said, those are Donna's parents, and they just want to let you know that they love you and they remember you. <gasps> oh, what? She's so, Rebecca is so yeah, noise. I bet, it sounds like Mark was going to be like, let's just raise her together, and you'll you're going to be her mom. And Rebecca's like, no, no, Donna was your mom. Yeah. That's, Rebecca's she's, a good person. She's such a good person. Okay, great. So eventually, total, Mark and Rebecca have three more children together in addition to Bailey. So there's four of them now. They have two girls, Anna and Maggie, and one boy named Ben. One day, 1999, Mark didn't feel well, so Rebecca took him to the hospital. There, they ran into Deanne Schultz. Mm. Deanne said this is when she couldn't take it anymore, and she went to the police with a chilling story. <gasps> okay. She admitted that she and Mark had been having an affair starting about one month before Donna's death and continued about six months after it. Deanne and until him? Deanne and Mark. <gasps> oh. He, it lasted until he ended it right after he hired Rebecca. She went on to tell them that Mark said it would be a lot easier if Donna were dead. What? And when he found out about the weird house ride home with Roger, he had an opportunity to frame him. <gasps> he told Deanne that he was determined to get Roger to their house. She said she didn't take the comments seriously, but when Donna ended up dead, seemingly at the hands of Roger, she knew Mark did it, and the guilt haunted her for years. I read in one source that she attempted suicide several times because oh. she like couldn't handle it. Oh, so, my God. Okay. So apparently when they showed up at the hospital... She got Mark alone and was like, how are you living with yourself? And he said he found Jesus Christ. Ugh. But if she ever said anything, <laughs> they they would both be in trouble. And she was like, I can't fucking take this anymore. Oh, my God. So rewind real quick back to 1995, right after the murders. Okay. Roger's family was devastated. Mm -hmm. They're like, there's no way. He could have committed this crime. Oh. When his sister Barbara raised questions to Detective Cox, 
She said he was very rude and said, ma'am, anytime you want to know how your kid brother walked into that home, snapped and killed that woman, come to my office and I'll show you step by step. <gasps> That's a quote. Damn. What they did. I know. So what they didn't realize is that Detective Cox's partner, Doug Williamson, was also uber skeptical. Mm-hmm. There were a few parts of the story he didn't like. For instance, why would Donna leave her baby alone on the bed to open the door for Roger? I guess she was oh, right. afraid of. Yeah. She was very afraid of him. Roger parked directly in front of their house, facing the wrong, like his car was facing the wrong way, which made it stand out a lot. What do you mean facing the wrong, like from? Like facing towards traffic, like facing the wrong uh, way, parked on the street. Oh, right. Okay. And he left behind a piece of paper in his car that's had Mark's name on it, their address, and 4 p.m. written on it. <laughs> staged no like it was an appointment like he jotted down oh, name address 4 p.m it just seemed like it was an appointment oh sorry i was thinking mark put that in there to be like hit list oh, mark, oh yeah, 4 yeah. PM. yeah no oh. the the 4 p.m 4 30 p.m really stood out to detectives because they're like that's an appointment oh yeah for sure there was no forced entry um, he came in carrying that coffee mug and pack of cigarettes. Why would he do that with like a, unless he was welcome in the home? Like you're not breaking in with a handful of cigarettes and a handful of coffee. Right. And when you said he, there was a hammer on the table, I was thinking that initially being like, he came in with no weapon, but he was there to kill. That's the last point I had. And I stole it from him. And yeah. there you are. Just Why would he use a hammer that he found inside the house when he had a tire iron in his car, which he did? Oh, yeah. Which would have also been a deadly weapon. Holy shit. Wow, Mark really saw an opportunity there. I know. Um, so Doug, back then, brought it to Charlie, his partner, but Cox, like, could not be convinced and actually praised Mark for being a hero. Ultimately, though, Detective Cox did become suspicious when Mark kept showing up at the police station. A few months after the murders, he came by the police station, asked for his gun back, which they turned over to him. But then he showed up a couple more times asking about the status of the case and if it, it was still open. And Cox was like, what? No. Self it was literally closed within 48 hours. They're yeah, like, stop crying. Self-defense? Why do you keep asking? There's no investigation. Right. He, he, he like, wants to make sure that it's yeah. still closed. You're, yeah. He asked if they're still conducting interviews. Or they're, like, just, they're like, no. We, we closed it literally within 48 hours. Oof, you're digging your own grave, Mark. I know. Keep it so, up. Cox said that's when he got a really uneasy feeling and they went to the detectives went to their superiors and asked if they could look into it more. And they said, no, it was open and shut and they weren't going to let them embarrass the police department and Mark all because of a feeling. Oh, my God. So they let it go and Mark got to live freely for over three years. Holy shit. But when Deanne brought this story to the police, they went back and reexamined the evidence. And while doing so, one detective asked Detective Cox if he wanted to look at the three Polaroid pictures he took before Donna and Roger were taken to the hospital. Cox said on the 2020, he didn't want to look stupid, but he had no idea what he was talking about. But he said, sure. Oh. And just, he was like, I have, so he got them, the pictures, and was like, 
Uh, no one ever showed us these. Holy shit. Wait, so who took them? Detective that arrived first. Wow. So he, so he had the Polaroid, but remember, Donna and Mark were still alive. So like by the time oh, right. the yeah. lead, eventually the lead detectives got there, like they were already off to the hospital. So they never even saw the bodies. Oh. And they never, I guess, I don't know. I don't think it wasn't like formal pictures taken of the crime scene. Like they saw those. Right. But this guy was just like, oh, before they move the bodies, I have a Polaroid in my car. Let me just go like get pictures really quick. And I, I guess didn't turn them in. I don't, he said he'd never seen them before. Oof. Yeah. And they were damning. Mark said that after he grabbed his gun, he ran down the hall to find Roger kneeling by Donna's head, beating her with a hammer. Roger looked at Mark, and that's when Mark shot him in the head. Mm. Roger fell with his feet still at Donna's head, is what Mark said. So, like, he just immediately fell over. But looking at the Polaroid, nope. They were actually lying in the same direction and, like, a good distance apart. Oh. God, Mark, you suck. I mean, I'm in, I'm not in the business telling how to get away with things. I mean. But, like. Really bad. Come up with. Yeah. Okay. So. it And it was so, like, he didn't know that they would both still be alive. Had they not rushed him off the hospital, I'm sure the detectives would have walked in and been like. Yeah. What? Sorry. No. What you're describing is not what happened. And to give. Well. To give such a specific details, he was he was kneeling down, hitting her with a hammer. He fell right where he's kneeling. When you know very well he's whatever, a yeah. few feet away from lying from her. Like, yeah, it's bad, bad. But, but so, but good. Yeah, it's great actually. This was it. Detectives said they couldn't afford to make any more mistakes, so they took two years to ga- gather every detail, every piece of evidence for a solid case. Against Mark for murder. Hell yeah. And in May 2002, Mark went to trial. In addition to Deanne, the owner of the transportation company testified that when Mark called to report him, he asked for Roger's contact information. And the owner was like, that it was really unusual. Like, usually if someone calls for a complaint, like, they're just complaining to the office. They don't, like, actually want to speak to the driver. Right. Um, so the owner called Roger and asked if it was okay if he... Gave him his number, and Roger was like, "Yes, I want to smooth things over too. Oh, um, I want to clear it all up." So that's how he got his number. Roger's roommate said she was with Roger when he got that phone call, and Mark told him to come over that day at four thirty so they could smooth everything out, and he could help Roger get his job back. And she said she watched him write that note, like Mark's name, his address, four thirty p.m. Probably so thrilled and relieved to get a second chance. What a piece of shit that Mark. I mean, for real. Oh, Roger, I apologize for making fun of you in a baby voice earlier. That's why I was like, I can't decide we're going to end up having to cut that. No. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is, and I didn't know, so no. All right, fine. Breaking the fourth wall. Totally. Once Roger was in the house, Mark shot him. And when Donna ran into the room to see what was going on, he beat her with a hammer. Oh, God. Wait, so she ran in without Bailey. So she did uh, leave she her She heard gunshots. Oh, so she when, did leave her on the bed. Yeah, she left her yeah. on the bed. Yeah. She ran in to see what happened because she yeah. heard gunshots. During the 911 call, you can hear it online. Mark is yelling, obviously putting on a role of a lifetime. 
tells the operator that the intruder is lying there with, quote, a bullet in his head. Then he abruptly goes, I have to go. My baby's crying. But in the background, there is no baby crying. You actually hear Roger moaning. So they're confident he realized right before he said that his baby was crying that he hadn't shot him dead. So he thought of the dumbest fucking excuse possible to get off the phone now and one and shot Roger again because even though he referenced that Roger had, quote, a bullet in his head, when police got there, he actually had two. <gasps> Holy shit. Oh, I got chills. Okay, so Ew. that was not two minutes, but you, you may have to re-listen. And especially this has captions on it, so you can actually understand them. You literally hear moaning in the background. There's no baby crying. It is like it's eerie. So wait, so all of this for an affair with Dan, they ended up ending six months later. Like, well, he said it'd be easier for Donna to be dead. Why? Well, I think that. Uh, original plan was for him and Deanne to end up together, but then he met Rebecca. I, I'm That is just so shocking that you can beat your wife with a hammer. God knows how long that takes. I just, that is so gruesome. All for the love of this Deanne who you just end up breaking up with six months later because a very sweet younger thing right into your life. That is just, why'd you do it again? Like what? Uh, that is just so gross. Yeah, exactly. The trial went on for three weeks and nearly seven years after Donna's death, the jury found Mark guilty of two counts of first degree murder. And on August 1st, 2002, he was sentenced to life in prison with no parole. To this day, he maintains his innocence. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> yeah, screw yourself. I will say the, the police were very quick. To own up to their mistakes. Oh, wow. Okay. Charlie Cox said, I was ashamed of the way the investigation went. I hurt Roger Harrington's family. I ran his name through hell for no reason. Mm. I mean, he was an innocent victim. Another detective said, the police department too hastily closed the case and turned a blind eye to some red flags. And to right such a wrong, it felt great. Aww. Like after the trial. Yeah. Then. Good. Own up to it. Good. No, they were, they're, yeah, they feel awful. Then mm -hmm. in 2005, Mark okay. was implicated in a murder for hire plot where he allegedly tried to put a hit on Deanne <laughs> and a childhood friend who refused to pay his bail. Oh, <gasps> you little piece of shit. Get out of here. With <laughs> so he was tried. He was tried and convicted again. Oh this time for a solicitation of murder, and he was sentenced to an additional 35 years in prison. You like, stop it. Such 
Stop it. Such an idiot. Oh my God. If I were Dan and that childhood friend, I would just go to the jailhouse and wave. I mean, what what did he think was going to happen when both of them who wronged him, who he very right who's the common denominator here end up murdered he doesn't think this guy (laughs) well he probably just thought like i have nothing to lose i'm in prison for life whatever (laughs) so they tacked on another 35 years god good poor what's rub doing so i'm gonna get there bailey and their other children changed their last name from winger to simic which is rebecca's last name okay they also reconnected with Donna's family, and they've set up an organization called Donna's Fund, which is a part of women in distress that works to provide shelter for women trying to escape abuse. Oh, good. Which is so good. And, well, it made me sad because, so, Rebecca, like, really thought he'd be found not guilty. They're like, there's no, he, she said the fact that they took two years to pull evidence and gather everything meant that they didn't have that much. So she was like, I was fully expecting him to walk out of the courtroom with us. Had he, so he had never abused Rebecca? No. I'm guessing. No. Wow. It would have come out. It would have come out, Reb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a few years of marriage, he would have been terrible to you. She, well, right. But she, the sad part for her, especially obviously, is she was a stay at home mom all those years. Oh, shit. So, like, one day, everything was just gone. His job, everything. So they had to, like, foreclose on the house. Oh, she, my like, God. She has four kids. Yeah. Oh, poor thing. Okay. She said Where she was she? so sweet. See, well, she, uh, she said she didn't have anything to give them but love. Oh, she that's all they need. They the can be happy. sweetest. They can be happy with not much. No, they're great. Yeah. So... The 2020 was called The Perfect Lie. And so I looked up. I'm like, is this privacy? I don't want to violate anyone's privacy. But obviously, I had to stalk Bailey on Instagram. And she lives in Birmingham. No way. Way. Now I'm stalking. Hold on. Are you serious? Yeah. Um, I believe Rebecca lives in Louisville, which I think 2020 said that, that. That I don't think that's. Oh, my God. That is so crazy. I mean, it was in articles, too. I only saw it because I, she geotagged a location in some of her Instagrams. I was like, what? And I, then I, as I kept reading articles, someone is out there. But I was like, Jeff, should I not say that? God, she has lived quite the life. She has lived several lives. I know. And she's and sweet. Show. She posts every year on, like, Adoption Day like that she loves her mom. It's cute. Oh, I'm sure she does. And so that is the full story. But I did want to go over like two other weird things that I couldn't incorporate in the story because it would have given it away. Mm-hmm. So when Donna's mom and sister took turns going to help Mark with Bailey right after Donna died, they noticed like he was drinking a lot. He was going out a lot. And this is the weirdest thing. He kept watching Pulp Fiction. Why? Which is very violent. 
And like, she was like, if you had just gone through that, why would you keep watching that? Yeah. Very violent. He like got off on it. Yeah, he was like, oh, hell yeah. Because, and the reason I think that now more so is because then Rebecca's brother, Steve, said the first time they met, like the first time he and Mark met, it was very awkward. Mark told him the whole story about what happened with Donna. But when he was telling it, it was more about like how he got to use his gun (gasps) and not like an emotional, like, and my wife was being murdered in my in front of my very eyes. So it was very awkward. And Holy so shit. that was before Rebecca and Mark got romantic. And then when they did, she, Steve was like, I was, did not like it. Obviously. So. Oh, my God. I got to use my gun. How old are you? Or like how he used his gun. I don't know. It's yeah. No, I know. So it's just dumb boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a dick. Can you believe that? And you like we entered this podcast being like it's never gonna be like oh the husband did that. oh i know but that i mean no i said unless there was a plot twist in it and that was that was a good one right right you know i do <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit it's so stupid like he did um just the motive is not there he's i mean besides i'm being a fucking lunatic but god good for deanne good for rebecca good for everyone but mark poor roger i know and his whole his whole family i know oh god that is terrible well that was a good one to end on if we are doing season finale we'll keep y'all posted we may need a few weeks i to think catch so up. yeah you do okay Um, But we will be back. Please like, review, subscribe, whatever. And tell people the biggest one. Yeah, tell people word of mouth. And y'all are the best. People are the worst. And we'll be back in, I guess, a month from ish. We'll see. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram or in in our Reddit sub forum. (laughs) On our Reddit sub forum. On our Reddit. Okay. Okay. Love you. Love you. See ya.